Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Cynthia. And thank you, David. What a blessing. At first glance, our story for today is a very simple story. Saul has lost his authority to be God's king over God's people. So God tells Samuel, go out and anoint for me someone else to be the next king of Israel. So Samuel, obedient to God as we would expect him to be, goes to Bethlehem, sees the sons of Jesse, and when he sees David, Samuel realizes that this is the chosen one. Rise and anoint him, for this is the one, it says. So Samuel, obedient to God's will, anoints David to be the next king of Israel, making him the anointed one. End of story, end of sermon, let's go home. Anybody up for that? Well, I'm not going to let you off quite that easily this morning. But for those of us who grew up in church, we understand that David is going to be the king. We heard these stories in Sunday school growing up from our beloved Sunday school teachers who taught us about the stories of God and of God's people. So really, there are a few surprises, right? And even next week, we might look forward to the story of David and Goliath, and we know where that story ends up too, right? But I would suggest that there might be a danger in reading the stories in such a fashion. Walter Brueggemann calls it the danger of becoming congealed. Being congealed is when something that used to be fluid becomes a solid. Something that used to move around a lot coagulates and stops moving. Something that is congealed means that it takes on a certain shape. You can even turn the jar over and it will still stay there like it is a complete solid. And so it becomes very difficult for what is congealed to move. It becomes very difficult for something that is congealed to change. When my kids remember that we have those jello packets in the house, we heat up the water, mix in the jello packet, and then let it cool down in the refrigerator. And they open up the refrigerator every 15 minutes to see if that jello has congealed yet. And finally, after so many times of checking, finally, the jello has congealed, it's cooled down, it's ready to eat. Perhaps you know people in your life who are congealed. Perhaps there's been times in your life when you have felt stuck, immobile. Perhaps you're going through one of those periods now. And when we approach the Bible that way, we are in danger of saying, I know what this story means. It's a congealed hermeneutic because it says to God, I am a rock. I am an island, and it's going to take a lot before you can teach me anything. Well, fortunately, the Spirit of God is up to the challenge. It's a living word. It's a fluid word, and it works 
and all the congealed messiness of our lives, and it brings us to life. And the same is true of this story today. So if it's not a simplistic story where we already know the punchline, we might suggest other options on how to read and how to hear this story of Samuel anointing David. There is a painting that Raphael painted of this picture from 1519, Samuel anointing David. So we might say, for example, that the story is about grief. Because as you heard Anne read it, the story opens with Samuel grieving over the failure of Saul's leadership. Samuel was the one who had anointed Saul. We talked about that just last week. But Saul was not obedient to the Lord's commands. And so Samuel knows what this means. Samuel knows that someone's going to get fired and it's not going to be pretty. So Samuel is grieving. So we could say that the text is about how to acknowledge change in our lives and how to acknowledge when change comes, that change always comes with the companion that we call grief. Or we might say that the story is about the hazards of doing God's will. It's not always easy to be a faithful follower and to do what the Lord commands us. It can jeopardize our sense of security. For we read that when God told Samuel to go and anoint someone else, Samuel's first reaction was, but if I go and anoint someone else and Saul finds out about it, Saul is going to kill me. It's a threat to his leadership. And if you're doing what God asks you to do, it could be dangerous. And even when Samuel shows up at Bethlehem, the elders of that town didn't like him coming around. It says that they came out to meet Samuel trembling. For this was a prophet. Samuel was known to be a man of God, and when someone shows up in your town who is going to give you a word from the Lord, it may very well be a word that you don't want to hear. So following God doesn't always make for a bed of roses. There are potholes and detours along the road. Or we might suggest that this story is about worship and the power that worship can have in our lives. Samuel showed up for the job in fear and the elders came to the party trembling. But when Samuel led them in a worship service, including the sacrifices and the power of the worship experience helped those humans there experience God's power and enabled them to live in God's ways. And so we could talk about this morning how worship is more powerful than fear and how worship unites us in, even though we might disagree about certain issues of our day, how worship supersedes that and brings us together in a common cause to give praise to our created Lord. So we might say that this story is about spiritual discernment. Samuel started out as a young boy in the temple hearing God's call him in the middle of the night, Samuel, Samuel. So this is way back in the third chapter of our book, and we have learned that Samuel 
has spent most of his life learning how to listen to God. And so he is very discerning. And, and even when he initially picks Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, to be the next king, he says to himself, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But then he is discerning enough to hear God speak to him and to say, don't look at his appearance because God looks at the heart and doesn't judge people the way that humans judge people. So Samuel is a model of obedience because Samuel knows how to discern God's leading in his life and he has the courage to obey. Or we might say that this text is about the power of anointing. And that's why we sing that opening hymn that is about the Lord's anointed who comes and does this work among us. For this is, after all, the time when David in this story is anointed as the next king in the presence of his brothers. And so we could talk about what it means to be anointed. That this is the use of oil over someone's head that this bestows the Spirit of God upon them and the person is anointed because it says in the scriptures that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And we might consider the similarities between anointing as it was used in the Old Testament and baptism that was used in the New Testament. And we could talk about our own baptisms and how each of us are gifted with the Spirit of God and empowered to live a life worthy of our calling. And that would, of course, invite us to speak of Jesus, the Christ. With Christ, we understand from the Greek word Christos, which means the anointed one. So if your head's a little bit dizzy, that's because that's you're in a good spot. That's what it feels like to move out of a congealed hermeneutic to being open to hearing something new. So I would invite you to imagine yourself hearing this story for the very first time. I would ask to imagine that all of our surroundings that we have right now, the nice comfortable seating, the air conditioning, the lights, the sound system, all of that is taken away. And imagine yourself living 2,500 years ago in the land of Palestine, or what we would call the land of Judah, before Jesus was born. And you are an absolute nobody. You were nobody. Your family was unknown and unimportant. You have no education. You can't read. No income, no status, no choices. Your life is going to be the same that your father's was, and your sons are going to have the same life that you do. There are no pills to take. If you get sick, you died. Food was scarce, and what food you ate is what you hunted, or what little you could grow in what good soil that you could find. Life is hard back then, 2,500 years ago, and it's just the way it was. In the highlight of your existence,
The highlight of your existence is when you would gather around an evening fire, and there your people's leaders would tell stories. And so you would gather around an evening campfire and hear this story told about a man named Samuel. Samuel seemed to have a direct link with God, and back then it doesn't seem to have to be such a strange thing to talk to God and to hear God speak to you. And God told Samuel to go to Bethlehem. And when you heard the word Bethlehem, your ears perked up a little bit because you knew what Bethlehem represented. You understood that Bethlehem was a dump of a town, small, insignificant place, not nearly as important as nearby Jerusalem, and so when the elders spoke about Samuel going to Bethlehem, you began to like the story. And then you heard the story continue as Samuel showed up and performed the sacrifices, showing reverence and fear of God. And you understood what it was like to be a part of worship where people stood up and paid attention because it allowed them to experience something of the holiness of God in their lives. And that experience of God in their lives caught you out of the everyday dull routines of the rest of your existence. And then you pay close attention when Samuel approaches Eliab, the oldest son of Jesse. And you thought for a minute that this story would be over before you were ready, but you wouldn't really be that surprised because in your world, the firstborn and the tallest always get the blessing. But then you lean in and closer with more curiosity when Samuel turned away from Eliab and began to look at the other sons. And each time the story continued, God told Samuel, no, this is not the one that I choose. No, this is not the one that I choose. No, this is not the one that I choose. And each time your heart begins to pound a little bit more and the back of your neck begins to tingle until each of the seven sons had not been picked, not one of them. And you knew that in this story you would count to the number seven and you knew that seven represent completely, completeness. And so this is so unexpected because Jesse had seven sons and Samuel had seen all of them, but none of them had been chosen. So the climax of the story is when Samuel demands to see all of the sons. And finally, the father admits that he has one more son, but he was such a nobody that he hadn't even been invited to come be part of the lineup. It's inconceivable that they would pick the eighth son, my youngest son, why even bother bringing him in? He has a job to do, go tend the sheep. And that's where the story is. And so everybody waits for this nobody son who was out in the fields tending the sheep, just like you have done so many times yourself. And everyone waits and waits and waits to see what's going to happen while that eighth son of the eighth sons makes his way into the assembly. And as David makes his way in, you see him to be part of yourself. 
because he was so little importance that his father didn't even bother to call him in to come join the rest of them. And yet it is he, the youngest, the smallest, the most insignificant, who God says, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And you think, maybe, just maybe, if there is a God who cares about the forgotten and the marginalized and the least and the most unimportant, then maybe you too have a, a chance that maybe in the great scheme of things, that your life may not be that important and you may not have accomplished all the things that you wanted to do or anything of note. And when people walk by, people don't even bother to look you in the eye, much less give you the time of day. Nevertheless, it might just be that you matter to God. And when you think upon these things, your heart is warmed and your spirit is lifted. And for the first time in your life, you know that you matter. You know that you belong you know who you are and to whom you belong. So no longer congealed, but fluid in the love of God. May it be so for you this day.